So good evening and welcome to uh, St. Mary's. Um, throughout the season of Lent, my brothers and sisters, we are going to do a series on the Mass. So we hope over the course of Lent that you will have a greater understanding of the Mass, its importance to your faith, and how you can continue to be nourished by this great gift that the Lord has given to His Church. So no matter what Mass you go to over the next five weeks here at St. Mary's, the teachings will all be the same. So we pray that the Holy Spirit softens our hearts and open our, our minds to receive what the Lord has in store for us as a faith community. So today's teachings will be on the basics of the Mass. And next week we will dive into the history of the Mass since the beginning of the church. So just encourage you to open your hearts, just be attentive and just to listen. Um, if you have a little journal and would like to take some notes, please do so. So we want to first off begin with defining a few terms. So where does the word Mass come from? The word Mass comes from the Latin word Misa, M-I-S-S-A, which basically means sin. It was taken from the formula that dismisses a congregation at the end of Mass. The priest would say in Latin, the Mass is ended, the Eucharist has been sent forth. This was due to an ancient custom of sending the Eucharist from the Mass of the Bishop of Rome, who's the Pope, to the other parishes in Rome, which symbolized the Church's unity with the Bishop in celebrating the Mass. Now we have a few different versions that the priest can say, including, go forth, the Mass is ended. Sometimes you also might hear the Mass called the Liturgy, or the Sacred Liturgy. Liturgy means the participation of God's people in the work of God. So your participation in what God is doing. So through the Mass, Christ continues His work of our redemption. So that began on the cross, in, through, and with the church. So what is the work of Jesus? The work of Jesus is, number one, to glorify God the Father. And number two, Jesus' work is to sanctify or to make holy the people of God with the help of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, my friends, that is the purpose of the Mass, to glorify God the Father and to make us His people holy by sanctifying us and the world. So, what do you, so why do we come to Mass every Sunday? Why not pray in your homes? Firstly, we come to receive the Eucharist, which we believe is the real presence of Christ, which we will speak on a little bit deeper in a couple of weeks. Secondly, we, have, we come because it is important to be together as the people of God, as the body of Christ. We are not on this journey alone. We worship together as one people. There are multiple accounts in Scripture, especially in the book of Acts, of the early church coming together to pray and break bread on the Sabbath, or the day of the resurrection, which is Sunday. For example, it was above all on the first day of the week, which is Acts chapter 2, verses 42 and 46. Sunday, the day of Jesus' resurrection, that the Christians meet to break bread. Acts 20, verse 7. Now during the Mass, you are accustomed to doing certain gestures. Also, you see the priest doing certain gestures. But what do these movements mean? 
And why does the church, in her wisdom, ask us to do them? To begin, we recognize that we are created with a body and with a soul, and that Jesus came to us as a human person in a body. So we know the importance of our bodies and that they can help us to express an interior disposition, or they can help lift our minds and souls to God by the position of our bodies. So let's review some of these gestures. First is genuflecting. Historically speaking, the act of genuflecting on one knee comes from showing respect or honor to a king. Christians adopted this custom in the 16th century, but instead of genuflecting on the left knee, like you would to a king, they started using the right knee to show reverence to the king of the universe, Jesus Christ. When you enter a Catholic church, the proper entrance to your pew or exit is to genuflect toward the tabernacle where we believe Jesus the King is truly present. A practical tip to know if it is appropriate to genuflect in a Catholic church is to look for the red sanctuary lamp, which is there to the right of the tabernacle. If it is lit, that means Jesus is present, and the proper response is to genuflect, to show your love and honor. So if you go to the overflow mass, which is held in the John Paul II, St. John Paul II Center, you would only bow to the altar because there is no tabernacle to genuflect to. The gesture of bowing. There are two main times that we bow during Mass. During the Creed, we make a profound bow of the body at the time of the Incarnation when we say, by the power of the Holy Spirit, He was born to the Virgin Mary and became man. This bow helps us to remember the great gift. It is that our God became man in order to save us from our sin and death. We bow to show him honor and to remember something very important is being said here. And on the solemnity of the Annunciation and the Nativity of the Lord, which is Christmas, we all genuflect to show further importance on those special days. Number two is we bow before receiving communion. The church asks us to bow our head before the Eucharist as a gesture of reverence before we receive the body of our Lord. We will talk about how to receive the Eucharist in a few weeks. The third gesture is kneeling. There are many biblical references to kneeling in both the Old and New Testaments. And these passages reveal that the gesture of kneeling is a very ancient sign that expresses worship, respect, willing obedience, and prayer. For example, from Mark chapter 1, verse 40, A leper came to him kneeling down, begged him, and said, If you wish, you can make me clean. Therefore, we kneel at the most reverential times of the Mass, like during communion and most of the liturgy of the Eucharist. The fourth gesture is striking the chest. The gesture of striking the chest expresses sorrow, unworthiness, and extreme humility. This gesture expresses our contrition, our sense of sinfulness and unworthiness before God. And just FYI, you do not need to beat yourself like the whack-a-mole game, um, but just firmly hit your chest during the penitential rite when we say, through my fault, through my fault, through my most gracious fault. The gestures are not meant to draw attention to yourself. If you're drawing attention to yourself by your gestures, 
then you're not doing them correctly. The fifth gesture is sitting, standing for sacred silence. It is common for us to sit, to listen, as a position to receive the word of God in the readings. But then together, we stand for the proclamation of the gospel as a sign that we are ready to proclaim the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ to the world. Before, during, and after Mass, there are certain times where it is important for us to listen in sacred silence in order to meditate briefly on what we have heard from God. Even before the Mass itself, it is important to practice for silence to be observed in the church so that everyone present may prepare themselves to encounter the Lord during the Mass. Remember, the language of our God is silence. We come before Him, listening to Him. My friends, now we conclude with the hand gestures of the priest during Mass. So you can see and watch Father Paul Michael, Father Chris, and myself, and to see especially particularly what we do with our hands. First, the priest makes gestures with his hands towards the people like this. Peace be with you. This gesture is a greeting, which means that the priest is speaking to the people. When the priest's hands are folded together, he also would be speaking to the people or just praying in general. The Oren's position or the prayer position, when a priest does this, then the priest is addressing God the Father. You will see this position when the collect, which is the opening prayer, which collects all of our prayers, directing them to the Father. This foreign position is also done during the Eucharistic prayers, the Our Father, the prayer after communion. This position is traditionally a position that only priests would make during the Mass. Also, since the priest is in Personae Christi, Christ himself in the Mass, the orange posture imitates Jesus on the cross with his arms outstretched towards the Father. And finally, the hands over position. So you'll notice at the beginning of the Eucharistic prayer, when the priest's hands are like this, the priest is asking the Holy Spirit to come down to turn the simple bread and wine into the body and the blood of Christ. This time of the Mass is called the Epiclesis, which in Greek means invocation or calling down. And usually at this particular time you get a little clue, because normally if there is an altar server, they will ring the bell. So it lets you know that at this particular time, the priest is calling down the Holy Spirit upon the bread and wine, that they may become the body and blood of Christ. So as we continue uh, our teaching on the basics of the Mass, it's important to note the two parts of Mass. So remember I said that the liturgy was God's people participating in God's work. God's work, of course, is to give praise and worship to God, His Father, and to sanctify us. So the Mass is broken up into two parts, the liturgy of the Word, which includes the readings, the homily, and general intercessions. The liturgy of the Eucharist includes the presentation of the bread and wine and communion. These two parts of the Mass form one single act of worship. We can see these two parts of the Mass evolve from the risen Jesus himself in Scripture during the walk to Emmaus, when Jesus was walking with the disciples and he explained the Scriptures to them. And then later, sitting with the disciples at table, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it, and he gave it to them. 
We now move into the Mass as a sacrifice. Many times you will hear the Mass called the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. Why do we say sacrifice? What are we offering as a sacrifice? The Mass is the representation of the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross at Calvary. The Mass is not a re-crucifixion of Christ, but is, is the renewal and perpetuation of the one sacrifice of Jesus on the cross at Calvary. Through Jesus' through Jesus's prayers in heaven to the Father, as he sits at the right hand, at the right hand of the Father, and through each and every Mass on earth, Jesus continues to offer himself to his Father as a living sacrifice. And he does so in what the church specifically states is an unbloody sacrifice. So we use an altar on purpose, which is traditionally known for sacrifices, especially in the Jewish tradition of the Old Testament. The altar represents two aspects of the same mystery, the altar of the sacrifice of the cross and the table of the Lord. So just this draws a connection of the Last Supper and the Crucifixion. We will walk more through this next week. Even more so, the, Christ, the Christian altar is the symbol of Jesus Christ himself, present in the midst of the people, both as the victim offered for our salvation and as food from heaven, who is giving himself to us in the Eucharist. We will discuss more on the Eucharist in a few weeks and how it is a sacrifice of thanksgiving. So we know that the Mass is a sacrifice, but we also know that it is a prayer. So the Mass is the highest form of prayer and is the worship of God, which is the centrality of our Catholic faith. It is Jesus himself, the eternal high priest, who is acting through the priest, myself, during the Mass. As mentioned earlier, we call this in persona Christi, which means in the person of Christ. So during the Mass, the priest offers a sacrifice on behalf of the people. This is a connection to our Jewish brothers and sisters in the Old Testament, when the priest was selected and set aside to offer sacrifices to God on behalf of the people. This tradition has continued into Catholicism with the Catholic priesthood established by Jesus himself. So by his ordination, the priest's soul is changed and marked forever, just like a soul is changed and marked forever through baptism. This changing of the priest's soul allows him to be in persona Christi in a mystical way. This changing of the priest's soul happens when the bishop lays hands on him, which is an act found in Scripture and in the early church given to the apostles by Christ himself. The priest's priesthood is rooted in the priesthood of Jesus. So it is not my priesthood. It is the priesthood of Jesus Christ. So the Mass is primarily a prayer of the priest on behalf of the people talking to God the Father as if he is the person of Jesus Christ. Let me read that again. The Mass is primarily a prayer of the priest on behalf of the people talking to God the Father as he is in the person of Jesus Christ. 
And the people or their congregation are there to unite in this prayer of the priest to God. So you will notice during the Mass, the priest does not look up at the people because he is praying and talking to God, not to the people. So if you listen carefully to the prayers being said, you can hear them being directed towards God. And I encourage you to listen intentionally to the words the priest prays, making special notes to who the prayer is directed towards, especially the prayers in the liturgy of the Eucharist. So my brothers and sisters, by your baptism, you are baptized into the common priesthood of Jesus Christ, which differs from the ministerial priesthood of me, the priest. But by your baptism, you are still called to offer your life to God as a sacrifice and to give thanks to him. And at every Mass, you are encouraged to bring your own prayer offering to unite it to the priest's offering on the altar. So as the priest offers a sacrifice at the Mass, your offering is united to his, and then all are offered to the Father. So at each Mass, I encourage you to bring an intention to unite to the priests. Don't miss out on this awesome power and gift that you have been given by your baptism. Finally, we also call the Mass a memorial in remembrance of Jesus. So before Jesus ascended into heaven, he commanded his apostles and disciples to repeat his actions and words until he comes again. So this command of Jesus does not only ask us to remember Jesus and what, who, and what he did, but it is directed at the first apostles and their successors, who are the popes, cardinals, bishops, and the priests to celebrate the Mass. This command of Jesus ties into the teaching on apostolic succession and sacred tradition. For as we recall, St. Peter is the first Pope of Jesus' church, and the sacred tradition has been passed down throughout the centuries in the Catholic Church, from St. Peter to Pope Francis, Bishop Joe, and us three Aggie priests here at St. Mary's. In 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 26, we are told by St. Paul, For I have received from the Lord what he also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was handed over, took bread. After he had given thanks, broke it, and said, This is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink, as you drink it, in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the death of the Lord until he comes. So I encourage you to go look up these scriptures when you get home and read them again, maybe even over a meal with your friends. So these verses again are 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 to 26, and also Acts 2 verses 42 through 46, where you get a glimpse of the early liturgy of the church. In the, Catholic, the Catechism of the Catholic Church, we are told that in the liturgical celebration of these events of Jesus, they become in a certain way present and real. This is how Israel understands its liberation from Egypt. Every time Passover is celebrated, the Exodus events of Moses leading the Israelites out of Egypt are made present to the memory of the people, so that they may conform their lives to them. In the New Testament, the memorial takes on a new meaning. When the church celebrates the Mass, 
She commemorates Christ's Passover, which we call the Last Supper, and Christ's sacrifice offered once and for all on the cross, which remains present to God's people in the Mass until the end of time. We also remember these events of Jesus in order to conform our lives to them as well. Thank you for listening to Aggie Catholic Homilies. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Be sure to check out our sister podcast, Aggie Catholic Talks, to hear talks from Magnify, Catholicism 101, and more. Thanks, God bless, and gig'em.